22 minutes it is before 9 p.m. You tuned into Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. Under the microscope this evening, we have the second part of our conversation with Ndata Izakomo, and uh, we are talking about uh, the context and uh, the life of uh, one P.M. Korunziza who passed on yesterday and uh, former president of the East African nation of Burundi. And Ndata Komo joins me on the line. Ndata Komo, good evening to you and welcome once again. Good evening to you and good evening to our listeners. Now, now yesterday you, you managed to give us very rich context into, uh, I guess, the um, dialogue process that gave rise to the nation of Burundi as we understand it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you were speaking about the Arusha process. And uh, certainly uh, uh, really grateful for that context and that kind of history uh, because it does, in a way, I guess, uh, pave the scene for the kind of uh, politics and context within which uh, Pian Kurunziza emerged as a leader uh, and also, I guess, as a, uh, a politician and somebody uh, in the public imagination of the East African region and the continent more broadly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but you should understand that Nkuruzins had nothing to do with the Arusha agreement. Yes. Yeah, he had nothing to do. They were not there. They were not invited. Uh, there was a CNN group which was there. It was a group which was a break-off group which had no membership. It had no army. Yeah. So, but the two main groups, the FNL and the CNDD, FDD, they were not party to that to those talks. And as I mentioned, I would just like to remind people that with the Russia declaration, you find that uh, issues of um, uh, what it was, what the experts say, is this that the Russia declaration, basically, it was a caveat. It was a caveat being placed, or obstacles being placed for the, uh, the majority Hutus from actually taking over a certain full power. That in the form that uh, the clause which were put in place and which are in place until today for changing any article of the constitution, you've got to get four-fifths of the parliamentary votes. Mm. Now, when you talk of four-fifths, you're talking about 80% of parliamentary votes to change the constitution. And again, the representation is in the parliament it was also stipulated on ethnic grounds. Uh, that was just like the, Zim, the, the Rhodesian, I mean, the, the, the Zimbabwean, where the whites had uh, guaranteed seats. Now you find that the Tutsis have got a guarantee of 40% of the parliamentary seats. But again, you find that in the, uh, the demographics, they only make up 18% of the population. Yeah. And again, for any law to be passed through parliament, I'm repeating what I said yesterday. Mm. You needed a two-thirds majority. That's a, that's a 66% vote. Without that, there's no law that can be enacted from a parliamentary setting. Now, that's the type of uh, that is the that is the government or the Burundi that the CNDD, FDD, the Nkuruzinza people actually agreed to join. Yeah, so it was full of these caveats to reduce the power of the majority party which was going to come up. But then he went through the whole thing, and uh, going through the whole thing, uh, they had uh, uh, the referendum was passed. I don't know the referendum. The new constitution was passed. I think it was passed somewhere in, uh, I think somewhere in March uh, of 2005. And again, in, two, in August of 2005, they had their elections. These were parliamentary elections where they elected parliamentarians. The CNDD, FDD, they got a majority. And with that, they actually, the parliament actually set 
and they passed the constitution, not the Arusha one, but a new constitution. Mm-hmm. But with that, they actually uh, selected Nkuruzinza to be the pre- to be the president of the country. Yeah, so that when Nkuruzinza was first uh, put in power. But now we have gone, we've got to go back to the constitution of the country, which had been passed earlier. The constitution in the, of the country, as per Article 96 of the constitution, it said that um, uh, the president is elected by a direct suffrage from, for a term of five years, renewable ones. Mm. That's a direct suffrage of the people of Burundi. Yeah, and he's only got, uh, he's going to be a president for five years, and that presidency is renewable once. But then you find that with Nkuruzinza, you are not elected by a suffrage. It's like you are selected from the parliament. Now, that was the bone of contention when it came to the third term. You remember when he finished this term by which he was elected by parliament, it came again in 2010, he was elected. And then after that, it came in 2015, where there was supposed to be another election, where the people said that he has had his three terms, he has had his two terms under the Constitution, and that thing was being contested. And uh, the international media say that the man has had his two terms, he's going for a third term. The thing went to the Constitutional Court of Burundi, and the Constitutional Court of Burundi went back to the Constitution and said that in his first term, Nkuruzinza was not elected as per the Constitution. Mm, mm. He was actually appointed by or selected by a suffrage, or uh, not even a suffrage, by an electoral uh, commission yeah, of yeah. parliament. You see, now that was the point. And then this when the man went for his so-called third term or second term, whichever way you may look at it. But that was the start of the problems within yeah. Burundi. I mean, if, if we're going to think about Ndadekhomo uh, Nkurunziza in historic terms, I mean, mm. as often when we talk about presidential terms or presidents themselves, mm-hmm. we like to think of their legacy. We, li- we like to, you know, uh, think of what they would be remembered for if we were to speak of them maybe 50 or 100 years from now. Uh, when, when we apply the same to Nkurunziza, what oh, comes yes. out for you? Nkurunziza basically... Nkuruzinza basically is the anchor. I will not call him the father. I said he's the anchor of the new Burundi. Mm. Yeah, Burundi, it will, it's irreversible. Uh, the democratic system, it's in there. And again, you find that um, the army, it has actually been taken back to the barracks. Yeah, uh, there is uh, the issue of the army coming to take over power from whichever sector. I'm talking about the, from the tribal sector. It's a very hard thing. Because, as I mentioned yesterday, the, co- the Constitution of Burundi, it actually stipulates that 40% of, um, uh, of, the, uh, of the personnel in the army have got to come from the, from the Tutsi ethnic group. And the other group, which is the Hutus, they take up uh, the other 60%. Mm. But again, with the officer corps, they're almost split half and half, especially with the top of the army. The head of the army, if the head is a Tutsi, his subordinate has got to be a Hutu, and vice versa. They keep on changing. So you find that uh, they've managed to do that. As Buru- not as Nkuruzinza, but as Burundians. But then again, Nkuruzinza, basically what he has given to his Hutu people, he has given them a guarantee 
of they not being able to, they're not being uh, third-class citizens. Because people don't talk of the two programs, the two genocides that, mm. the, that the Hutu suffered, yeah, to a point that the 72-1 is not spoken of. People uh, feel very shy. You know, it's over 300 to 500,000 Hutus are killed. And not only that, the whole Hutu um, intelligentsia was literally wiped out. Yeah? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, this, I'm not making up things. These are not things that I'm making up. This is what really happened. Sure, sure. Yeah. So basically, the man is actually sort of, uh, he has put Burundi on the road towards, towards a democratic state. And I don't think that uh, the man wants to put in a Hutu hegemony in place, you know. What, what, what kind of project do they want? I mean, uh, you, you're suggesting it's not an ethno-nationalist kind of hegemonic project that they want. Uh, no, I don't think so. What kind of project do they want? I, I don't do think so. In fact, uh, the CNDD, in fact, what they want to do, they want to dismantle many things which are there in, within, the, within the Arusha protocol, the Arusha agreement. The Russia agreement, basically, it is a very dangerous agreement because it has actually frozen yeah, the power structures, uh, the power relationships, mm. which, is, which are semi-feudal. Yeah? But I think uh, that thing that it's needed for a time to have, a, to have stability, and after which the things have got to be removed. I would like to give a very good example of where such type of constitutions uh, really, uh, really fail. I would like to take people to, to, to Lebanon. Lebanon basically was part of Syria. But the French, due to their chauvinism, seeing that that part of Syria, it had a lot of uh, Mennonites, uh, Christians, mm. they actually put, they hived it off from Syria. And then they gave it a constitution which was based on sectarianism, whereby the presidency had to come so much, the uh, representative to be so many percent, that percent, you know. But all that was there to actually look after a Christian hegemony of those areas. But then with time, you find that the Muslim minority, it became a majority. And they were stuck with this constitution which gave power, mm. or actually sort of stopped them from gaining power, Yeah. And that resulted in the big uh, civil war that took place in Syria in the 1970s. Mm. And not in Syria, sorry, in Lebanon. In Lebanon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think that it's on the pipeline in, in, uh, in what do you call it? In, in Burundi. In Burundi, yes. You cannot say that to change any item of the constitution, you need 80% of the vote. Yeah, I mean, huh? where does that happen? Why does that happen? Yeah, and yeah. not only that, I mean, they say that uh, 40% of your, of, of your people have got to be tutis. Now, that is already a lobby against whatever you're going to try to yeah, pass. Yeah. yeah? Dr. Homo, I want us to pause here for a second because I need to take a quick spot break. When we come back, mm. uh, you know, I was saying to my producer after the first part of our conversation yesterday that uh, there are a lot of sort of uh, recurring and golden threads here in the experiences of Burundi that we might have found at a different historic juncture in Rwanda, in Kenya, uh, uh, or even in uh, Uganda as well. Uh, and I want us to maybe pick up some of those things and uh, some of the clues that that might give us uh, for the future of that East African nation. We'll continue on the other side of this. Okay. It's the second part under the microscope today of our conversation uh, looking at Pian Kurunziza, his record of leadership, the legacy he leaves behind, and of course uh, the uh, continuing challenges uh, in the project of uh, state formation and nation building 
in the East African nation of Ru- uh, Burundi. I nearly said Rwanda there, Burundi. And I'm joined by uh, Ndada Izakomo from Channel Africa here at uh, the uh, Public Broadcaster, where he is a producer and a presenter. Uh, and I guess, Ndada Komo, I, I sort of prefaced the question before we went to the break, which was, if you look at, I guess, the eth- ethno-nationalism and the distinctions between Hutu and Tutsi that you find in Burundi, it's, it's quite similar to what, uh, uh, I guess, you know, just on the plane of ethno-nationalism, and I, I guess the details would differ uh, in each of those contexts, but um, it's a similar set of tropes to what one found in Rwanda in the early 90s, and I guess similar to uh, some of the ethno-nationalism that we've seen emerging from time to time uh, in the nation of Kenya as well. What are the implications of, uh, I guess, the situation you painted earlier on uh, for the continuing project of state formation and uh, nation-building in Burundi? I think... I think in Burundi, this ethno-nationalism is it's, uh, it's going to it's, 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 it's fading. It's going to fade because basically the politic of the because of the political landscape. Uh, although people say that uh, the CNDD is actually sort of uh, dominating and it's actually suppressing other groups, the other national groups, which is untrue. Because if you look at the Burundi political uh, uh, landscape, you find that. Uh, the main opposition group, it's a Hutu group, the FNL of uh, Agaton Ruasa. Mm. Yeah? The main opposition group, it's a Hutu group. And that it actually sort of tells you that uh, the Burundi politics has gone beyond, part, beyond mm. the ethno uh, uh, sort of uh, nationalism. Now, it is there on real issues. And that is far ahead of other countries. I mean, when I say other countries, I'm talking about basically Rwanda in particular. Mm, mm. Yeah, Uganda. It has got its ethno, its ethno uh, politics, but that ethno politics basically it's not been pushed on a political uh, plateau, is uh, or a sphere is being pushed on a political military, mm. yeah, sphere. Mm. Whereby Uganda basically it is more of a, it's a, the oligarchy there it's a political it's a military political oligarchy the military is very very much in power mm. and that military basically it is in the hands of the Ankoles and not any ordinary Ankole because if you look at the Ankole ethnic group it is just like the Rwandan or the Burundi Ankole you've got the Birwa. Yeah, the Birwa are a group of people who are pastoral, uh, no, no, who are who 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 are, who are sedentary, agriculturists. The people in power amongst the Ankoles, it is the Hima, the Tutsi type, mm. and they're in the minority. Mm. Yeah, so that is the history of the Great Lakes. That history actually did spread into Tanzania. Yeah, into. Um, uh, Biharamulo, where you've got Tutsis and who and, uh, and 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 Hutus living together, the Tanzanian Tutsis, and into Kigoma, you've got Tanzanian Tutsis and Hutus living to go together, mm. even in Buhaya, yeah. But in those areas of Tanzania, that thing that the difference was long, long, long eradicated. It was eradicated also in the colonial era. Those mm. people are solid as one. Sure. But sure. in the areas of Burundi, Rwanda, where the monarchies were there, they maintained mm. it. And again, just to, 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 to give a very good glimpse of the history of those areas, the areas of northwestern Tanzania, right up to the central part, Tabora, mm. about five, six hundred years ago, with the Hima, with the Hima invasion or migration, the Himas established themselves as the kings and chiefs 
of that northwestern Tanzania, right down south to the central area, so that even the chiefs have got a Hima or a Tutsi background, but that has totally disappeared. Mm. Yeah. So, but then in Rwanda and Burundi, it is maintained. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe my last question, I guess, uh, is is related to the geopolitics of the region, because. Mm. As you say, if you take Rwanda and Uganda as places where the monarchy had entrenched itself, uh, in the case of Rwanda, I mean, uh, you know, its own fortunes are intimately tied uh, to the fortunes of its neighbor, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Mm. uh, which uh, we know is probably, if not the richest uh, uh, nation in the world when it comes to minerals that we (laughs) use in our smartphones and everything uh, that I can think of. Um, What are the prospects of us being able, I guess, to find some modicum of peace in a context where there's uneven benefit from some of those resources, even on the part of some countries within the region. Yeah, in fact, we're starting on a topic which basically actually needs also to be contextualized, and it's a very important issue. Because basically what happened in the Congo with the demise of uh, Mobutu Seseko, there was an attempt by the Hima groups, yeah, Mm. This is the Hima group which had come up, which was the Tutsi group of Rwanda and Uganda. Mzeveni is a Tutsi, although he's an Ankole Tutsi. They actually had an attempt of actually getting, of, of grabbing power in the Congo DRC. Mm. Yeah? But those attempts actually ended up in a civil war and eventually ended with the uh, Sun City talks. Yeah, yes. where there was this uh, very big party uh, which was there, you know, uh, in, which was actually fighting against everybody. Yeah, when it came to the elections, that party could not even get two percent of the vote. Mm. Yeah, mm. but now uh, that was the thing, the RDP, the party of, of of Eastern Congo. But now instead of those people, that party actually joining with other Congolese in the political arena. They actually sort of want continued on their own, on a, on a, on a military line. They refused to they refused to integrate their forces. Mm. Yeah, and those forces were there and they were causing problems. That is the R the R twenty three. Yeah, and until today, they are still there with that autonomy. Mm. But now that those forces, they have been actually it's a, it's a known fact. They are being supported by the neighboring countries, you know, which have got this big aim of actually dominating Eastern DRC. Now that they fail to dominate the whole of the Congo by a Tutsi Hutu, sorry, by a, by a Tutsi oligarchy. Now they don't like this talk, but that's what it's all about, and that's what uh, all mm. real analysts will tell you. Sure, that's sure. where the problems of the DRC start. Okay, Dada Homo. Uh, we'll certainly, when we catch up with you next, uh, talk about this nexus between the fortunes of the DRC and those of uh, the nation of Rwanda. Uh, fascinating conversations here about uh, uh, East Africa and I guess it's a historic development. Uh, all of that uh, framed in the context of the passing of uh, former president of uh, Burundi, Pierre Nkurunziza, and uh, Dada Izakomo from Channel Africa here at the Public Broadcaster, uh, helping us to make sense of some of those developments. 9 p.m. is the time. We're going to leave you there. The man with the music is already here. He's your uh, soulful and musical accompaniment uh, all the way through to uh, midnight. Uh, have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Let me to Africa. Kubagalos, Africa, Sembotina, Kwaye, Nanguk, Sisai, Banga. Le economy.